welcome to the season three opener of the Frosty and Perenni podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, co-host, coach, Tony Perenni. Is this, is this mic on? Barely. Man, I can hear you. It's been, it's been a minute. <laughs> I had to clear the cobwebs off of the headphones, and uh, uh, we're, we're back. It's good to be back. Uh uh, been burning up some hours on on a different podcast for a little bit, but always good to come home to the uh, Frosty and Perenni podcast, especially for some uh, season three action here. So you know, look the the elephant in the room here is we're going into week five of the NFL season, and this is episode one of season three. You know, hey, life's been a little crazy. Uh, you know, we don't uh, we don't do this full time, but uh, this feels like the right time. You know, we have some storylines already forming in the league. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's time to talk about him, Tony. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I think our our fans will be pleased to know that we're not going to just go through every single game for the last four weeks. Uh, that might get a little stale, and also this would be like a five hour podcast, um, which I'm sure they would love to listen to in chunks. But uh, we're we're not going to put them through that. So we'll kind of give the thirty thousand foot view of where things stand right now. Maybe give some. Uh, some macro level things that are going on in the league and, you know, uh, just, just take an overall look at uh, fantasy football in general and where the trends seem to be going. Yeah. Well, we'll start with Tony, uh, you know, as we kind of wrapped up season two, you know, uh, the COVID summer was uh, a little bit challenging from the ACT perspective. So uh, Kevin Hulick still owes us an ACT. We're not going to let him forget about it, but we're going to, you know, try to do it when it's when it's safe to do so. The other big storyline is that Amanda Gorgonzola was scheduled to join the league last podcast we had. Now, uh, unfortunately, Amanda had to uh, back out. She had other opportunities uh, that were, were seeking her time. And, you know, it is what it is. So yours truly has stepped back in fresh off of pinch hitting for Tyler Kerr's team uh, last year. And now, you know, your boy back in the league. So, so how does it feel? So I, I, the, the word I heard coming from sources was that the ACT test started licking its chops once it heard you came back because it was so close to getting you a couple times in the past. <laughs> oh man so i'll tell you it's um it's it, it's weird to be back because for you know I, I was never obviously out of the league completely this podcast has been the thing that's kept me in it right mm-hmm. but it's it's different now obviously participating again and i think going through with helping ty's team last year kind of reinvigorated that a little bit um, the excitement of of Sunday football when you have a little skin in the game, you know, from the fantasy standpoint. Um, but at the same time, it's not always at the top of my mind that I, I have a fantasy team. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, I you know, I had T. Higgins and he ends up being a, a Friday or Saturday scratch. And I had him in the in the roster. I wasn't I wasn't used to looking at it. I had turned off all those notifications that ESPN would use to remind you, hey, you have a you have a dude playing who's out. So, you know, part of that has been uh, kind of relearning, you know, putting fantasy back into, you know, checking it multiple times a week, not just at podcast time. But I got to tell you, Tony, um, you know, I'm sitting at at two and two off of an zero and two start. I got a little, little two game win streak going. And it's uh, it's fun again. I'm having a good time with it. That's good. That's good. I, I didn't enjoy being on the other side of that uh, that, that loss uh, this past week uh, with you on, going on to your two game win streak. But uh, definitely good to have you back in the league. And um, it's gonna be interesting to see how you, how your team holds together there. We were very shocked on draft night. You didn't go and get Gronk. Um, questionable decision and a very out of character decision uh, from you as manager of that club. We would have expected to have him on that team. Um, And if I do remember correctly, the big story of the draft was you drafted Tebow. So saw that. Saw his, uh, his time there was uh, short lived and he's, uh, (laughs) he's out grinding with urban Meyer now. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 
you know, so I kept Robert Tanyan from uh, the Packers as as one of my keepers, and I, I can't remember now what I what I kept him for, but it was it was fairly low, and he was a, a top ten or top five tight end last year, um, and so I felt like I was pretty good from that standpoint, but you know, so so when it came to Gronk, I was like, well, you know, obviously Gronk and Brady did amazing things last year, but. You know, it's the same storyline every year with Brady. Like, at some point, the dude's not going to be what he was before. And, and it's looking like that's not this year either. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and so so shame on me for, for having that thought when it's been wrong every year since. But, you know, I, that that was kind of the thought going into it. And then, of course, Tebow is just the, the fun pick there at the end. I felt like I had a – my squad was what it was. I had no money left. Um but, you know, that was, I guess, the other thing coming back in the league is, you know, I didn't do hardly any prep before the draft, and that bit me hard. You know, and and both of my keepers now are off my roster. You know, so so some of those things uh, have been problems for me. But, yeah, so I passed on Gronk. I don't feel good about that. But, um, you know, I have, uh, I have a, a new tight end. You know, I've always been a fan of the tight ends. Uh, so I have Knox now from from Buffalo, who's who's done really well the last couple weeks. So I feel good uh, where my team is. I don't feel great, but I feel good. Saquon's back, so uh, you know we'll we'll see. They he put up almost thirty points this week, which was a nice nice help to beat uh, beat your team, Tony. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the fact that I just beat you is part of the motivation for getting the podcast going this week. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, this is this had to be the week, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I got a gloat in style. All right, so so moving to another storyline. Yeah. I can't let you gloat any longer. <laughs> uh, it, it seems like all Tim had to do was start ignoring his team, and all of a sudden he's at the top of the, roster, the, the lineup, right? Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, so Tim, Tim is uh, off in basic training down at Fort Benning. Uh, and so he, you know, one of the things that the constant storylines throughout the last three years has been how many waiver wire moves Tim makes. And he has one to date, Tony, and that that's it. And so, to, you know, as he went into the draft, he knew that he wasn't really going to be able to tweak his team as much. So, um, where I think he would sometimes go with with trends, flash in the pan guys, you know, take take a flyer here, take a flyer there. He really built this team where he could kind of set it and forget it and, you know, check in here and there, but but really not have to do much. I know he set rosters way in advance, uh, knowing that he wouldn't re- really be able to do much with them. And, yeah, he's sitting there, you know, uh, the only undefeated team in the league right now. Uh, I, I guess not right now. I mean, it's he's it's, it's the only undefeated team, and he is the top point getter. Points for six hundred and ten points. Number two, Steve Groover is at five hundred nineteen. So he's almost a hundred points above second place four weeks in. And I mean, that team is just stacked. There's you know he's got Josh Allen, Aaron Jones um, has been doing really well for him. He's got Najee Harris. He's got Cooper Cup, uh, Darren Waller. Uh, who else? He got Justin Tucker. I'm I'm giving you the top ten in their in their ranks. You know he has two number ones in Tucker and Cup, uh, a number two, a number four, a number five, a number seven. His lowest ranked starter right now is Devonta Smith at 37. Um, you know, and and, and <laughs> on his roster he has another three top ten in their position guys so this team is built for for a championship uh and and he tim has a little safety there uh for for joe to kind of help him out if if there should be a last minute um you know a scratch or something you know somebody gets hurt last minute to go ahead and make that tweak if he can't uh but yeah tony I, what, what's your what's your take of tim's team this year I mean, it's it's a juggernaut. You look at look it up and down right now, and Cooper Cup's resurgence has been a massive form. Just the Matthew Stafford effect there in L.A. Uh, has really brought Cooper Cup back to life, and um, I mean, he's averaging eight to ten targets a game right now uh, with a much more accurate quarterback throwing him the ball. So it's hard to imagine that trend not continuing. Uh, looking at some of the other guys here, Aaron Jones, 
uh, with the way the Green Bay offense has been moving. I got to expect that's going to continue. Uh, Josh Allen is going to do what Josh Allen does from a fantasy standpoint. He's going to get his rushing yards. He's going to uh, get in the end zone with his legs a time or two, but he's also going to scorch some people through the air. Uh, so that's always a great one. And Najee Harris, uh, the rookie, is going to end up being a really nice pick for him. I mean, he's been kind of off to a slow start, starting to build up a little bit in the receiving game the last couple of weeks. Hell, Ben can't throw the ball past 15 yards down the field anymore, so that's going to be <laughs> dump-off city for Najee Harris. Uh, yeah, this this team is built to last. Uh, very impressive because it's kind of a role reversal for Tim because his, his team has kind of been one of the lower-scoring teams in the league the last couple seasons where he's really had to like grind out some victories. Not the case this year. Uh, he is on fire right now, and uh, it, it seems like less is more from the move standpoint because it, things are looking really, really good for Tim right now. He's going to come back from Fort Benning, and he's going to be very pleased with where he's at. Yeah, you know, one of the things, too, past storylines with Tim has been, uh, I'll say, questionable draft strategy where, you know, he'll leave it, I think, last year, the year before, he left a ton of money uh, after draft night on the table and really went in with a bunch of mediocre guys he was hoping to get more out of. This is the first year I feel like Tim really went with some some names. Uh, took a couple, you know, chances on some guys, but you you have you have some real good names here that have been kind of you know year in year out really good guys, and then you know obviously hitting it big here with Harris. You know, uh, you you talk about slow start, and and I don't disagree with you, but he's still the number four running back <laughs> from a fantasy point standpoint. So he, he's he's already putting together a, a fantastic first you know quarter of the season. Uh, and, and yeah, Tim's Tim's just making out like crazy with this. It, you know, injuries are going to be the big question mark here, and and how how healthy can he stay? You know, he's got Joe Burrow on the bench, uh, not not bad there. Uh, Noah Fant as a backup tight end. Outside of that, it starts getting a little shaky. Devin Singletary um, as as running back. DJ Chark uh, now on IR, uh, so. Not as great there. Uh, he, he does have the handcuff of A.J. Dillon there, Green Bay running back, so if Aaron Jones goes down. So the bench doesn't look great outside of those couple big names. So I am a little bit worried about Tim if he runs into the injury bug. Yeah, that's where it's going to come down to interim manager Joe, helping him out a little bit if he has to make a move uh, down the stretch. And he's he's well prepared here. He's got two defenses, two kickers. Um, but if any of those other guys up above start dropping, it, you're right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get a little thin for him. So uh, maybe he might need another move or two in the coming weeks just to uh, even out that bench a little bit. But, you know, he's in, he's in a good spot moving forward. Uh, we'll see how they navigate the, the bye weeks. But it's it, you've got to start kind of projecting when that first loss is going to happen for him now as he's the last one alive. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> with how much he's been scoring is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to overtake him. Uh, you know, Tony, the other, the other guy we mentioned there was, uh, was Groover's team. And Groover's team is fascinating because going into this week, he was sitting at 0-3 and he did get the win uh, against Thurber in the, the first installment of the Rocky Top Rumble for the year. And he beat him big there, 145 to 87. But Steve is sitting there as the number two points four and just getting super, super unlucky. Uh, he went up against a Mike Engine throne in week one who scored 144. Tim in week two scored 171. Uh, uh, Vince Gorgonzola scores 132 and Vince's only win to date. So, you know, Steve starts the season with three big losses uh, and, and – all three times, you know, he puts up 119 the first week, 127 and 127 weeks two and three. So he's not putting up bad numbers and then, you know, gets up to 145 this past week. Uh, so Steve Steve has been a, kind of a, a bad luck guy here early on. And I think, Tony, we've seen in, in past years that, that that ends up kind of writing itself uh, over, over the course of the year where, you know, some of these guys might start out a little rough in the beginning there. Uh, with luck, but it usually it ends up ends up evening out over the over the long haul. Yeah, points scored tends to be the great equalizer when it's all said and done. So 
Uh, the first couple weeks looked a little rocky from a luck standpoint. As long as those points continue to come through, usually end up in a pretty good spot by the end of the year. This is this is kind of what Kevin experienced two seasons ago when he started out the year. I was like one in four, zero oh and five, some, something like that, and then rolled off like eight straight victories. Uh, I mean, he was putting up points the whole time. It was just a matter of the luck beginning to switch. So as long as Steve continues to to score like he's been scoring. Uh, I think this ship is going to right itself. Uh, the issues I think you can see in, in red here on his roster are going to be some injuries, particularly on the running back side. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to be in the trade market here. He's typically one of our more active guys in the in the trade market. Um, right now he's looking at Chris Carson, Chase Edmonds, and Joe Mixon, all with questionable tags going into this week. Uh, I believe Carson did not practice today, and I don't think Mixon did either. So those that's three of his top four running backs right there. Not to mention, if you scroll down a little bit further, J.D. McKissick, one of his other running backs, is also listed as questionable. So kind of making it rain uh, with injuries here. And he already has two IR spots filled up with J.K. Dobbins uh, as a keeper prospect for next year, and then Rashad Bateman, who should be coming off. So... Uh, he is quietly getting hit with a rash of injuries, but he's still putting up points despite it. So um, I would probably expect him to be jamming some people's inboxes here in the coming weeks with some trade requests trying to dig for a running back. Yeah, and he, he just took that early, you know, early shot on the chin there with J.K. Dobbins going down. Yeah. Uh, and I think he was he was looking to, to rely on him a bit. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you consider all of that. You know, Aaron Rodgers in their quarterback, you know, is not having he's not off to a real great start this year. Now, it's still Aaron Rodgers. Like you expect he'll be he'll be doing all right by the end of it. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, wide receiver, hasn't really been doing what uh, DeAndre Hopkins usually does. So there are some pieces here that, you know, in, in as these guys start to I think the the season progresses a little bit, um, you know, D hop will be fine. Aaron Rodgers will be fine. Uh, you know, and, and get some of these injuries better, uh, then then Steve will be in a good spot, I think, overall. But yeah, just a, a interesting storyline coming up that he's you know top or se- you know second to top in points for, uh, top you know worst luck in points against, and just just hitting some some rough matchups there in the injury bug. So uh, have to say though, you know, could happen to a better guy. So yeah, good yeah. I mean, he's the only guy in our league to go undefeated through an entire season. So uh, he's he's earned these uh, these couple of rocky seasons. Uh, another interesting storyline here, Tony, is uh, going to be Mike Engine Throne. So Mike came out first week with 144. Second week, 112. So a big drop uh, did get to beat. Vince Gorgonzola there, who only scored just shy of 103. And then in week three against Charlie Thurber, only puts up 76 points. Uh, And then last week, bounces back with 141. So you're ranging, you know, from 76 to 145. And, you know, what's going on with Mike's team here? Yeah, there's a little bit of volatility there, right? And uh, he, he gets McCaffrey back this week. That's obviously going to help because um, that that snake Tony Parenti went and got Chuba Hubbard off the uh, <laughs> off the waiver wire, so he couldn't handcuff him. So he hasn't had that at his disposal the last two weeks. Um, kind of relying on Cordero Cordero Patterson there at running back uh, to also have a little bit of a resurgence in his career down there in Atlanta. But not really sure what you're getting from that offense on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Tyreek, uh, he had two really off weeks after the Cleveland week. So Baltimore and the Chargers both did a pretty good job bracketing him and, and keeping him from exploding for any big plays. So uh, Mike had to wear that one as well. And then you see Corey Davis at receiver. He's, you're kind of getting the ups and downs of playing with a rookie quarterback there. So uh, there's definitely some volatile spots here in his lineup, but I mean, you look through, there's a lot of depth there too. I think probably one of the more complex things about his roster is I think just looking through his, he might have to have some tough decisions 
on a week-to-week basis about who to start in his roster, um, which is always kind of a stressful endeavor when you're, when you're a fantasy uh, manager uh, because you, you can go up to the wire uh, at 1 o'clock making your decision, and you're constantly going to feel like you made the wrong one. Uh, because you look through, you have Allen Robinson on the bench, you have Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, who is a really, really good uh, fantasy QB uh, for a league like this. Um, Melvin Gordon, the running back, has been pretty decent. Curtis Samuels now finally healthy, still holding an in- injury designation, but um, it's finally coming back. Elijah Mitchell obviously exploded for San Fran week one. Uh, once he gets healthy, you got to think he's going to fit back in too. So I-, I think the most complex part about his roster here is just there's weekly decisions that he has to make uh, as far as who to play. And I think just that in itself is going to lead to some volatility. Tony, let's talk about your team. Let's uh, not. (laughs) You're sitting here at one and three, Tony. Uh, You know, we've seen you in this spot before uh, where you've struggled early out of the gate. Uh, What uh, what's happening? Uh, I'm not real sure. Up until this past week, my team had been, I believe, the second highest scoring team in the league. So kind of going in with that same pattern that Steve's team had um, where, you know, I'm putting up points, so I'm not being overly concerned. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a smoke and mirrors thing going on with, with my team from last week because most of my team did perform pretty well. It's just I got uh, negative points from my defense and zero points from my kicker. So the, the actual components that you spend time on and actually game plan for on a weekly basis paid off for me. But the, the two pieces that you're just hoping to set it and forget it really let me down. So uh, I'm not sure there's any real, real huge moves that I need to make here uh, on, on the team. I'm definitely not panicking yet. Uh, the A.J. Brown injury is a little concerning, but I think I have enough depth to kind of plug that in for now. Um, and have gone and kind of raided the waiver wire for some running backs that I think uh, if, if there's any injuries to people in front of them could really explode as well. So I like some of the potential that's there. Uh, obviously, I have to navigate a David Montgomery injury, but I think at the end of the day, my team is going to be in pretty good shape. But that tide needs to start turning pretty soon here. I, I think the one thing that we didn't we didn't uh, mention at the beginning here is. Uh, just reflecting on there being an extra game in the schedule this year, like it puts me more at ease. And I don't know if it does for other people. When you start off slow, I almost feel like you have an extra week to kind of get it back now and with the 14 game schedule as opposed to the 13 games. So I'm kind of leaning on that too. Well, sure. And you know, we've, we've documented over the last number of years, you know, how often these final playoff spots come down to, you know, a play, in an NFL game that completely flip, you know, a playoff story. And so now to have had another game in there, you know, somebody's going to get burned by it. Somebody's going to going to benefit from it. But, but yeah, it does. It takes that little bit of pressure off because, you know, already looking and this is, this is common for, for us. Nobody's really, I mean, so Tim's four and one, but you know, nobody, or I'm sorry, four and oh, but nobody's really running away with a whole lot yet. You know, you have a, a batch of teams that are, are, you know, one loss, uh, you know, I'm sitting there at two and two, but everybody, you know, three and one, one and three. So a, a short streak away from being, you know, from, from last to first. Uh, so nobody's running away with anything this year. And when you look at, you know, points four. Take out Tim. So he's the outlier, right, with 610. When you go from number two, Steve, at 519, down to uh, number 10, Vince, at 441, that's not a big spread, especially early on when when some guys are are still figuring figuring things out. So if that trend continues, I think we're going to see a lot of back and forth where the extra game is really going to matter uh, so if you're sitting there at your four and zero, your three and ones, you're probably feeling pretty good. You know, hey, good start. You know, guys are clicking, all that. But you know, adding another game to the season, that's another, you know, another chance for injury. That's another chance for a game where you go off, right? So 
it's going to be cool to to watch that. And I think you know we'll probably comment on it as we get closer. You know, if if the season would have been 13 games, here's the playoff picture. But it was 14. Here's the actual playoff picture. Uh, and and it's going to have big implications for champion. It's going to have big implications for ACT taker. It's going to be it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is kind of the league we were we're kind of envisioning from the start when we started this, where you know everybody's kind of in the same pack. There's not a massive spread between the the highest point scorers and the low point scorers. Uh, we haven't fully achieved that in the last couple of years. We've always had um, either one way or the other. I just had somebody who's just taking off with the league right from the start, or had somebody uh, that's really bringing up the rear big time and is already like getting their scantrons ready. So it's kind of nice to see the league where it is right now, where it's kind of anyone's game from top to bottom, from a playoff perspective and from an ACT perspective. So something interesting, Tony, that I'm seeing ESPN, I think they've added, I don't remember seeing this before, but they're giving a, uh, a percentage likelihood to make the playoffs. Uh, I'm I'm just seeing this now. I'm seeing and, that too. That, that's got to be new. Yeah. So this is fascinating because I'm looking over in. Uh, so we have the two divisions. So the division that consists of, uh, let's see, everybody's new team names here. So Charlie, Mike, Steve, Dave, and Vince. Uh, so they're giving Charlie a 97% likelihood. Mike, I think because of oh, the volatility of his team, they're only giving a 55%. Uh, and then Steve's team, who's one in three. So so Mike's three and one, Steve's one in three. They're giving Steve a higher likelihood, a 69% likelihood to make the playoffs. So ESPN's seeing what we're seeing, where Steve's going to probably come back and be just fine uh, and, and is sitting there in a pretty good spot to make the playoffs. In the other division, where you and I reside there, Tony, um, we're in a kind of a similar spot. So I'm sitting there at two and two, you're one and three. Some were only one game apart, but you have a, a 48% likelihood to make the playoffs. I'm only sitting at 39. And then Kevin down there at one and three is at 36. Tim, they feel real good about it. He's 99%. Uh, so, so the ESPN's pretty sure Tim's making it. Uh, and then, um, Kalen is sitting there at 86%. He's quietly built himself a, a really good team. Uh, Kalen doesn't do much quietly, but he is getting kind of the most out of his guys. He's got three top tens um, and a lot of guys who are sitting there in the teens. And so I think he's just looking for consistent production throughout the year here. So are we go are we go in there next to Kalen because uh, I think that's a pretty big storyline. Is that he's he's had some pretty solid teams the last two years and has been on the outside looking in. Uh, once playoffs come around or getting in the playoffs, but ha- just hasn't had his best stuff during the playoff season and uh, hasn't been able to, uh, you know, carry that trophy at the end of the day. How do we feel about his roster this time around? I think this is the year that he finally solves it. Oh, man, I mean, so the injury, the injury question is going to be out there with everyone, especially this early in the year. But you're looking at Russell Wilson, a quarterback. That's a, <laughs> like that one. Nick Chubb. At running back now, Kareem Hunt has been getting more uh, points wise this year. But I mean, that one two punch in Cleveland, if Cleveland keeps doing what they're doing, both guys are going to be just fine. He's got Zeke, who has shown up. I have been a big fan of Zeke throughout the years. This year, I was kind of like, ah, I'm going to I'm going to hold off because I've been bitten too many times. Zeke sitting there as the number six running back in the league. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys look pretty good this year. Justin Jefferson. Uh, is the number seven wide receiver. And it seems like Kirk Cousins really likes throwing to Justin Jefferson uh, when, it, when it comes to end zone time. Uh, DK Metcalf has been eh, okay, but but still pretty good. And then he you know, went after Kyle Pitts, the, the rookie tight end, um, who I imagine will just keep getting better there in Arizona as him and Kyler Murray really get into it. And then Amari Cooper. Um, you know, so Dak, Dak's coming back from the injury, you know, better than ever. And, you know, Amari Cooper is going to be somebody that he's looking for. So I feel real good about Kalen's team. And then looking down into the bench, and this is the concerning part. I don't love the depth. So 
he doesn't have a ton on the on the bench there. Uh, you know, Kenny Galladay, who you know, in it was it was one thing when when he was uh, over in um, with the with the Chargers. Now with the Giants, I don't I don't feel as good about him. Uh, Robbie Anderson, David Johnson isn't really doing much. Um, so that's going to be the real downside is is how is he going to do when bye weeks start, and how is he going to handle injuries. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a uh, high volatility game once you get into the bench there for him. A lot of guys that are fighting some injuries. Michael Thomas, who is going to be uh, completely coming back from an injury. Um, you got Javante Williams, or rookie running backs that still kind of need to see what's getting out of him. Zach Moss, uh, he's he's kind of had a little bit of a an uptick in the last couple weeks. Uh, you always got to worry about that that Buffalo backfield though, where it always kind of seems like. Uh, Josh Wilson is really the RB1 for them, So, or, or Josh Allen. So um, just, just looking at his roster, I mean, coming out of the draft, I thought this was a team to beat uh, was, was Kalen's roster. I, I looked all the rosters over, and this was the one that really scared me uh, as, as far as looking into defending uh, the championship. Uh, I thought coming out he was going to be my biggest competition, and it's no surprise at all to me that he's sitting there at 3-1. and I think he's going to have a really strong team down the stretch. Yeah, and, and you know, Kalen's one of those guys that Kalen's better when he's better. Like, when that team's good, Kalen is is firing on all cylinders. Um, we'll have him on, I'm sure, this this season. And, and it, it the the Kalen the humbled Kalen that that came out at the beginning of last year um, as his team started to to streak there uh, you know that subdued version I wasn't uh, you know I want more I want that uh, the arrogance out of Kalen so I'm hoping with this with this early good start here that uh, that he he can turn that on uh, he's got Kevin coming up here this week so um, we'll probably get into some predictions but. Uh, I imagine that'll be a lopsided affair there, uh, and Kalen Kalen will probably handle that that matchup just fine. Again, if he can stay healthy and survive these bye weeks, there's I mean there's five guys on this roster that can go off for thirty points any given week. Yep, absolutely. So uh, I I don't think we can just glance over all those playoff percentages that they added there. And not add the the not ask the logical next question, which is how bad is Dave's team if he's going given thirty three percent chance? So I think we need to jump into that one next. Yeah, and, and Dave's been an interesting guy in this league because he's been, I mean, he, he's he's won the the, uh, the you know pre podcast days. Dave has been a champion in this league, and. He's he's put together a number of teams. You know, last year the kind of the, the tag phrase with him was stars and scrubs, um, and this year it feels like it's mostly scrubs. Um, now he did he, he has been battling the Odell Beckham uh, injury and then kind of the the slower start for OBJ coming out. Uh, he's got Patrick Mahomes though, right? So that's that's a difference maker, and and, and Patrick Mahomes is. No, no surprise, the number one a quarterback right now. But when we look at, you know, we talked about top 10s, top 20 guys. Patrick Mahomes at number one. Uh, he's got DJ Hawkinson, tight end, at number five. Uh, and then Tom Brady on his bench, number four. So those are his only top 10 guys right now. When we look in the teens, it's not great. You know, we got Stephon Diggs at 19. Now, Stephon Diggs last year was was great, you know, and, and he's having a slower start here. Antonio Gibson number at number 17. Um, Mike Evans, again, number 18. So, you know, 18th ranked receiver. But when you start dipping down below that, there's some real low numbers on this bench. And, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster not showing up this year. Uh, Julio Jones isn't doing anything out there in Tennessee. Uh, and that is, you know, he only has 32 points total this year. Uh, so I, I don't know, you know, Jarvis now on IR. So so Dave's gotten hurt a lot by the injury bug already, but he's also not utilizing those those IR spaces. He's got James White on IR, Jarvis on IR, um, and and nobody's actually in the IR spots. So I don't know if Dave isn't paying as much attention so far. Uh, and that's kind of the feeling I get at this point. So, 
I trust Dave will turn it on at some point. The question is, who's going to be left on the on the waiver wire when that happens? I'm seeing Cole Beasley here, you know, 40th ranked receiver. Last year he was doing well, but you know, it's why you should get the COVID shot. You know. Yeah, he's he's housing an anti-vaxxer on his on his roster. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> what do you make it? What do you make of Dave's team here? Tom? I was going to say the same exact thing. Like, does he realize he has IR spots that he can use here? Uh, James White just cut because he's not coming back this season. So unless he's keeping him as a keeper for next year, which I I doubt, um, that's a spot you could probably replace immediately. Um, Landry, you have another week at least where you can throw him in your IR spot and fortify that bench a little bit. So, uh, yeah, it might, might take a little bit of tweaking there. Um, I don't know if he's paying full attention. There's nothing like a, a, a little podcast ribbing to get him back into the action here. I'm sure that, that'll snap him to attention. So, uh, looking at the rest of his roster, uh, it, it's high potential, but those guys just – there's a lot of them that are off to slow starts right now. You know, Gibson, Taylor, Diggs is kind of he hasn't been doing what he did last year yet. Hasn't been getting that type of uh, target volume. Have to think it's coming at some point. Uh, and Odell Beckham there sitting in his flex. Uh, if anybody watched the Browns game last week, I don't know what that was from Baker Mayfield. So um, I think there's probably going to be some better days ahead here. But you know, ESPN is obviously reacting to some of that volatility and the overall depth of that bench uh, when it puts him dead last in terms of percent chances. Yeah. Dave, Dave can't be feeling good. And I, I guess I'm looking at this roster like, and after draft day, I didn't feel like he had a bad team. I think he just, it, it's a bunch of guys who historically have performed that just, they're not, they're not performing this year. Uh, so, ugh. yeah. Yeah, I I warned him about Jonathan Taylor before the season. He didn't listen to me. So, <laughs> well, you know, hey, shame on him. He kept him anyway. I, I told him he's just a guy. Yeah. Yep. Now the interesting thing, Tony, is that James White uh, was picked up for nothing. So you know, a dollar. So he'll be he'll only cost him six bucks next year if he does want to hang on to him. Uh, and that I I don't know if James White will be worth that. You know, the Patriots are kind of a next guy up. You know, and so I'm not sure. But J- James White has been, you know, especially with a, a rookie or, you know, second year quarterback next year, th- th- that may be that may be a guy worth hanging on to. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know, at least free up the bench spot. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can probably get James White for a dollar again next season. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like he's been going for a dollar for like the last six seasons and he always is a primetime performer in PPR. Just nobody's <laughs> caught on. All right, Tony. We, um, we, we're trying not to go through too, too much here. So, you know, we're not, we didn't talk about all the teams. That's okay. We're in, obviously we're going to talk about all the teams as, as we go through on the podcast. But uh, something I'm interested in, Tony, we talked about, you know, towards the, uh, I would say middle to end of the year last year, you know, you, Steve, Charlie were doing a lot in the sports betting arena and uh, kind of curious to see how things are going for you guys. Yeah, well, you may have noticed that the Conditional Six podcast is on vacation at the moment for a couple <laughs> of months. But uh, we, have, we have kind of turned our attention to um, our, our little Discord think tank that the three of us have where we're, you know, we're in there talking a lot of betting lines uh, throughout the week, going into the weekend from both a college football standpoint and, a, and an NFL standpoint, obviously. And, uh, you know, Charlie's doing his thing on, on the DFS side where he's, he's making some pretty good uh, returns on his plays on a weekly basis, too. Um, so really just as a, as a summary basis, I think all three of us are doing pretty well so far to start the year. And it's been a lot of um, getting our own processes in place. I know we, we talked a lot about that last year. Is that you kind of need to figure out what your process for picking games and then finding uh, bettable spots is. Uh, and once you have that, you kind of have to almost put rules in place for yourself to not violate those. Uh, and if you're if you're good enough and disciplined enough at, at keeping those rules, you tend to come out in a pretty good spot. So I, I think I'm I'm right around. 
Uh, on college football side, I think I'm right around 57, 58% on the year as on win rate. And uh, with NFL, I'm right around 55%. So if you're in the 55 to 50, you're 55 to 60% range, you're doing really well uh, in the betting game because um, the people that are, are the best of the best are usually up around 60. And if you're if you're above 60, uh, you won't be above 60 for long. So. <laughs> the uh, regression monster usually hits everybody so it's been off to a really good start on our side so uh, if if anybody else ever wants to uh, get involved and kind of learn what our processes are for for some of that stuff it's it's a really really good time you know i've thought often that i would enjoy sports betting um but then I watched myself draft a bunch of dudes who were good three years ago for my fantasy team and realized that uh, I don't keep up enough to, <laughs> to put real money down. It's, it's a different kind of sweat on game day, too. <laughs> like it's yeah. a, You find out real quick if you bet more than you're comfortable with by how nervous you tend to get during that game. <laughs> So uh, set, setting limits for yourself is also a pretty big piece. I, I think I mentioned last year, most of the pro bettors do like one to one and a half percent of their, their bankroll on, on a given uh, pick. Sometimes it's on a given day to even limit the risk even more. So they're not, if they're out there throwing a hundred, 200 or a couple thousand dollars on a game, it's, it's typically just a small piece of what they've earned uh, through doing that. Cause it's, it's kind of a long game for them. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you get out there and you start throwing hundred, hundred dollars downwards from the get go, you're going to really experience what it's like to, to sweat through some of these games. You think fantasy football and an ACT test is, uh, is something. <laughs> Tony, what, uh, what have been some, uh, maybe some bets this year that you, um, maybe felt really good about that didn't pan out or maybe ones that you were like kind of take a took a flyer on and got lucky oh there's, there's always a, a good chunk of those and kind of how I, I grade myself from a success standpoint is even if i have some losses but the game kind of went the way i expected it to uh then i'm in a pretty good shape the, the most noteworthy one and i think we were talking through the discord on this uh all night it was it was the monday night game with the ravens and the raiders um, all three of us had some pretty good, uh, decent amount of action on the game. I know I had three bets. I, I was on uh, the under for the game. I was I was really banking on uh, the Ravens' defense being able to limit the Raiders' offense from an explosive play standpoint, and also just looking at the amount of injuries on the Ravens' offense. I really figured that would hamper them a little bit. Um, also had a pick on the Ravens. I believe they were minus four that night. And I had a prop bet on Lamar Jackson's over. Um, so going into the fourth quarter of that game, it looked like it was basically a lock. I was going to hit the under and the Ravens bet and lose the Lamar Jackson one. So I was looking like it was going to be a two and one night. And then all of a sudden that fourth quarter happens. I don't know if any, if, I don't know if you watched it, Derek, but no, I didn't. That game took on a whole different life once the fourth quarter started, where all of a sudden the Raiders are just throwing the ball up and down the field. Uh, It just opened up completely from an offensive standpoint on both sides. And all of a sudden, where I was going to finish two and one, completely flipped. And I ended up one and two in the night because Lamar Jackson takes off for all these rushing yards, ends up getting me that one. But then the Raiders end up pushing it to overtime, getting the over and winning the game. Uh, so that was it's such a reversal of fortunes in like 10 minutes. <laughs> but, but that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Um, I've, I've found it pretty profitable so far betting on the Browns uh, just because I, I know the most about them. I'm pretty comfortable with how they play. Um, and I think for a big portion of it, the um, a, a lot of the market really hasn't caught up to them as far as how they really are. They, they had some things last year from an analytical standpoint that really threw off a lot of the data heavy um, uh, sports bettors and fantasy analysts and, and all that in the off season where they kind of thought they were a fraudulent team coming in. Uh, they, they had, uh, they were very fortunate in uh, one score games, which is typically a bit of a, a sign of regression coming into the next season that tends to flip. 
because uh, because teams overall in one score games typically tend to be about 50 50 so there was an expectation they would drop there and that was kind of padded a little bit because there were a couple games where their defense couldn't shut the door last year uh, and allowed touchdowns at the end of the game and there was also the game against houston last year where uh, nick chubb takes off for what would have been a game ceiling touchdown and then runs out of bounds at the one yard line and keeps it a one score game so um there's been a bit of that in the market that's kind of keeping their their overall market price in these games uh, to a spot where I don't think it should be. So I was able to to win a bet on the the Chiefs where I thought uh, the Browns I believe it closed about plus six. Uh, so basically the the Chiefs were six point favorites in the game. I thought it should be around like four four and a half. So I bet that one and was able to to hit on that one. Um, the next week with the Texans, I was I thought the number was was way too big on the on the flip side because um, big spreads in early season are typically uh, don't hit a whole lot. So took the Texans in that one and also got a Kareem Hunt uh, a prop in there. Kareem, Kareem Hunt props are like printing money right now, honestly, well, with that... the, the way they've been using him because I, I think the market still thinks he only gets like. 25% of the workload when really he's getting every bit the same amount that Chubb is. Yeah, it, it's, it's right in there. I mean, as a as a Kareem Hunt owner, I've been paying a lot of attention to it. And even ESPN, you know, Kareem Hunt is, a, give or take, the, the ninth ranked running back in the league right now. And when you look at, like, boom and bust, he's he's boomed multiple times because they still are under under predicting what he's going to do. And so, I mean, I'm, I've been doing pretty well with him. From that standpoint, and I, I think you're right. It's that like, well, he's yeah, he's the the third down back, the the guy who can get in the end zone, the guy that can you know third and shorts. But you know, they're basically the way they're using Chubb and, and Hunt. They're they're pretty much just alternating drives, yeah. uh, and then you know switching in and out a little bit. But that that two headed snake they have there, I mean, that that is just it, it's so great as long as both can stay healthy. And, and even if not, I think the other one's going to carry. So, boy, that's 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 been a lot of fun to watch. And I think, you know, just the Browns in general have been super, super fun to watch this year. Yeah, it's fun to see what the defense is doing right now. They're, they seem to be coming around a little faster than I thought they would. Um, get, this week coming up is going to be a big-time test if we're facing the Chargers. You know, the Chargers do a lot of things. Uh, on both sides of the ball that are very different than anybody else that they've faced so far. And and likewise, on the other side, you know, the Browns are a much different beast than anything that the Chargers have played. So I, I think that game right now, I, I just checked uh, before uh, we jumped on to, to do this podcast, it was sitting at uh, Chargers as one and a half point favorites. Uh, that's probably going to be a no bet for me because I, I just don't know where that game is going to end up going. But it's going to be a really fun game to watch. And hopefully... Hopefully the real Baker comes back. I don't know if he's he's laboring or uh, from trying to make that tackle in the Houston game or what's going on, but it, last week's performance isn't going to cut it. Yeah, no, he, he couldn't hit a receiver to save his life. But Nothing. this is where, you know, fortunately the, that running, the, the, the running side of it was able to, to hold up and, and, you know, Chubb and Hunt, they're just, they're always fresh. And so there's, they're, they're wearing down those defenses. So. Yeah. Uh, last thing, Tony. Before I know we're 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 pushing against the clock here. Can we talk about Matt Stafford? Oh, do we have to? I feel like oh. we do. Okay, it's, it's either Matt Stafford or Urban Meyer. Which one do you want to do? We only have time for one. All right, Urban Meyer. Matt Stafford's oh, gonna keep being amazing. Oh man, did everybody see what happened over the weekend? <laughs> so I guess I'm trying to figure out. What exactly happened, and did Urban was Urban Meyer wrong, or was he just like so? Uh, the the story that that Urban sang is basically I'm at I'm at my bar in Columbus, uh, you know, and so first off, bars packed, no masks. That's a that's a bad look right now, especially as for an NFL head coach. But, you know, the the woman kind of grinding on him or, or, or dancing, whatever we want to use term wise. You know, they're trying to, to get him out on a dance floor and all that. Now, 
you know, I've, I've been to the, the wedding or the bar scene where, you know, folks are trying to get people out on the dance floor and we'll, we'll kind of, you know, jab at them and, and dance on like I, you see this frequently if, if you're out at, at bars and, and stuff where there's music and all that. So I guess, Tony, like, are we making a big deal out of it or is this really as big of a distraction as it seems? Uh, my my take on it is um, more so what it it means more than what the actual action was. Like to me, the action is something that's between him and Shelly Meyer, and they can figure out whether they care or not on that side. But to me, it's like this. For one, they came came to Cincinnati, played, had a couple of days off, but he doesn't fly back with the team. And I I can I can tell you and. Really, any level of football I've been in, and I've been in, involved with quite a few. So from uh, going all the way back to middle school, um, all the coaches came back on on the bus. We went to the Hall of Fame game in uh, in middle school and played. All the coaches came back on that. You go to high school, it always happens. College, I, I've never ever college pros any other level heard of a coach not coming back with the team. Um, and I, th- I think just based off where that team is right now, you know, Urban's done a lot of wrong stuff since he took that job from an optics perspective. Mm-hmm. So just to take this back, and I know I know uh, if anybody listens to the Conditional Six podcast, Charlie and I, or, or Trey and I, actually, we, uh, <laughs> we, we covered this a little bit in depth when the Tebow thing was going on. But, um, you know, Urban is... If you if you talk to people at Bowling Green who played for Urban, which I, I was privy to to that um, experience there with knowing a couple people that did, and pretty much everybody had the same story on him. You know, he cares about one thing. He cares about winning football games. He doesn't. He's not going to develop you as a man. He 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 doesn't doesn't really care what you guys are doing off the field. Um, and and you can kind of <laughs> see as evidenced by Florida. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so you can kind of see the, the issue with Urban, and it's becoming super apparent when you get to the NFL and you're coaching adults, is that uh, I, I believe they, they call it in, in the business world, they call it EQ, like emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. He just has none, whereas like he doesn't realize things he, he does are just terrible optics for his organization. So he, in the offseason, he brought in um, – the strength coach from Iowa, he, tra- he tried to hire in Jacksonville. Like, his name escapes me right now. But he was basically fired from Iowa for um, ma- making racist remarks to uh, some players. Well, what is over 50% of your locker room in Jacksonville? How do you think that looked to the players? Um, that that strength coach had to go and resign basically a day after Urban hired him. Uh, Urban didn't even turn around and fire him and change his mind. Uh, and then he brings in Tebow. And... Uh, Tebow's Tebow's a great guy. Everybody knows it, but he's done literally nothing to earn his way back to the NFL. So you think that's a good look for players that have been uh, fighting and, and crawling and uh, trying for years to, to get in that spot to make an NFL roster? If this guy just comes from minor league baseball and jumps right in, like there's there was no excuse to do that one. He didn't see how that impacted the the team. Um, and then you have this stuff happening this this weekend where, to me, you know, how many times has he been in, in his bar uh, doing something like that um, where he's probably smart enough to, like, do it in off hours when a bunch of people aren't there? Like, he's just completely let his guard down in this instance, which tells me, like, dude is, like, mentally shutting down <laughs> in Jacksonville right now. Uh, and he kind of talked about, you know, I everybody kind of needed to clear their heads a little bit, like – Yes, we get that, but there's a way you do that. Uh, if you're an NFL head coach and you're a public figure, you don't put yourself in that spot. And the fact that you've never put yourself in that spot before tells me that this is different. Well, you know, the other the other piece of this is, and I, I I'm I'm saying this almost more as a question than a statement. So. You know, Urban Meyer is is Ohio State royalty when he's there, right? And and I yep. think still is. Now, you know, you talk about the Iowa coach. Let's not forget the the Zach Smith issue, uh, the, the the assistant coach that ends up at Ohio State having the the racist issues there. Um, but 
you you have when you're at Ohio State, you're at your bar in Columbus. You know, like there's a lot of Ohio State fans there that aren't going to or maybe are less likely to, you know, get that video of Urban Meyer and then post it because folks know, hey, that's a bad look and we don't want that out there. And here's the thing. When you're winning like he was at Ohio State, you forgive a lot of stuff, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing in your in your personal life because you're winning. You know, now you flip it to where, like you said, you already have some some storylines in Jacksonville. You know, you're coming off of the embarrassing hot mic issue where you're telling another NFL coach, you know, every week's like playing Alabama. It's like, no, it's way worse than that. Like, it's the <laughs> NFL. It's not college, you know. Um, and, and so, like, that's a bad look. You're not doing well. You have the number one draft, Trevor Lawrence, and just the team's not they, they look terrible. And that, and then you do this too. So I don't know, like, is, and 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 you're right. I, I underscore the fact that he didn't go back with the team. Like, you, you know, you have access to the Jags' personal jet or you know private jets and all that yep. stuff too. Like, go to Jacksonville and then fly back to to Ohio. Like, if that's what you're trying to do, just do that then. Or wait for the bye week. Like that's just that's such a bad look. Yeah, yeah, and and you can already see like he's he's lost the locker room already for four games between all these different things that he's done where he just continues to show that he just doesn't get it um, as far as you know managing a locker room and interacting with actual adults who you're trying to steer in the right direction. Like you can't just. Uh, you don't just have dictator powers over over these guys like you did in college. You know, a lot of these guys are making more money than you are. So oh, yeah. it's a much different thing. I I thought coming in he would be able to handle this better. I, I honestly did. I thought he kind of had the mental makeup to kind of have that CEO type personality that tends to work with a lot of coaches. But he is just I could not have been more wrong. And it, it's pretty evident that the players in that locker room had zero respect for him. <clears throat> and I wonder, I wonder, Tony, and your take on this, because you were around the college game a lot. You know, so in college football, the coach generally is kind of the star of the show because that's that's the the guy who's there year in and year out. At the NFL level, it's unless you're Bill Belichick, it's really not. Like uh, your 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 average NFL fan probably couldn't name more than half the coaches in the league, right? But they can tell you every starting quarterback. You know, it's it, it's a it's a players' league. It's not a coaches' league, unlike college. Is that is that a problem for Urban? Like, is that is that part of it? Is that he's used to just being the guy and kind of that untouchable figure? And I mean, the, the Jags owner coming out and basically like Urban's gonna have to earn our trust back. Like, that's a well, that's a bad statement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's damning. Uh, no, I, I I I agree with you. I think. Uh, <clears throat> I think a big piece of it is like I don't I don't think Urban thought it was going to be this hard in the NFL, uh, honestly, which sounds ridiculous to say because he's he has so many friends in the industry in the NFL that you would think he would have an idea, but I think this the level of arrogance in his own head because he's he's been he's never really had trouble uh, instituting some level of success anywhere he's been. So I think he just thought, hey, I'm going to get this number one draft pick. I'm going to get Trevor Lawrence. This team has some young talent. We're going to turn this around right away uh, and be winning. And now that it's not happening, you know, when was the last time Urban Meyer ever started out 0-4 in his career? Uh, He's just not handling the adversity well on his own. And that's a problem when you're a coach of an an NFL franchise and you're uh, being the leader because – the team, even though they're all adults, they're going to take the lead and kind of take over the personality of their coach. Um, I think that's no more evident than you have in Cleveland here. Look at the approach that Kevin Stefanski has where uh, I don't know if I've even seen the guy yell like ever, but he's just got that quiet, calm confidence all the time. And the team has taken over that. Whereas the year before with Freddie Kitchens, the team acted like Freddie Kitchens. Um, and it's you're seeing that happen in Jacksonville right now um, where, <clears throat> you know, he's out doing this. You're going to see in the next couple of weeks 
But you're probably going to have some of those players that are acting out out at bars and stuff, uh, getting videotaped doing stuff that they don't want to do because they're going to then have that level of not caring. Right. Right. It's. I also have an issue with Trevor Lawrence being a captain as a rookie. And maybe I'm yeah. reading too much into that, and I don't know how they decided who was going to be captain, like who the captains were going to be. But boy, that's where you want some veteran leadership. Yeah, that's that's another thing that is really, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. That's, I feel like that's pretty unheard of. Maybe maybe sometimes that happens if I. I would have to go back and look maybe like Cam Newton as what the Panthers was able to, because he, he was able to come in and insert himself so quickly as a leader of that team. But I would bet even he didn't, you know, I don't, I don't think Ron Rivera would have handed out a captain C to a rookie. So um, <clears throat> just kind of goes back with the Tebow thing, right? It's just not a good look to just hand people stuff. Um, you got to earn it in this league. And if, if, people don't think that you're earning it or think that you're fake with it, they're going to read through it real, real quick, and you're going to completely uh, lose any power that you had. That's, that's what happened with Chip Kelly in Philadelphia. He also yeah. couldn't couldn't handle adults. Right. <laughs> and uh, that, he ended up flaming out pretty quickly, uh, even, even though he was able to have some success on the field. That, that team went to the playoffs the first year, as opposed to what is happening in Jacksonville. But he still couldn't keep that locker room because at the end of the day, it's a people business. Right. Right. Yeah. Boy. But yeah, I'm curious to see. I guess does Urban Meyer make it through the year? That is a tough one because sources out there that are pretty well plugged in make it sound like uh, this past weekend's uh, results or what, what was happening there in Columbus already led some of the, the Jags brass to go and uh, look in the contract and look at some of the terminology there to see what constitutes as for cause uh, if they were to fire him. So, uh, and, and then you see, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, the owner's statement on him. That's, that's really not good when somebody comes out uh, who's, who's pay, paying your paychecks it says that about you. I've never seen that said about a, a coach publicly like that before. So uh, I think it's already kind of – I think the wheels might be in motion already on the Jacksonville side to make this a one-and-done thing. Uh, and, and honestly, I, I think it might be a mutual uh, feeling from Urban. You know, Is, is he going to be the USC coach uh, three months from now um, this this thing happening in, in Ohio probably doesn't help him there, but I'm not sure USC has ever been a program to really care about optics. So I, I could see that happening as well. Yeah. I just, I see like if they lose a few more games, you're 0 and 6, you're 0 and 8. Yeah. It's going to get late really early for him. You know, it's one of those where like, hey, what an opportunity for a new coach to come in. You have Trevor Lawrence, you have, you know, a, a young team. You know, there's problems in Jacksonville. There's been problems in Jacksonville for years. But, you know, at some point, hey, if we know Urban's not the guy for next year, we have a bad roster. Or, I'm sorry, we, we have a bad record. You know, we're just going to move on. Yeah. All right, Tony. I think that'll wrap it up here. Uh, it's been nice getting back. Um, we, uh, for sake of time, we'll go ahead and, and uh, we'll skip the picks this this week. Uh, and we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to pop back in as often as we can and, uh, you know, try to get uh, try to get some of the old feeling back in this podcast as well as keep it keep it fresh. Uh, so uh, any parting thoughts, Tony? Oh, it's good to be back. And uh, hopefully we can get back in the swing of this every couple weeks and uh, kind of give a nice overview of what's been happening and uh, take some take some shots where some shots need to be taken. And uh uh, we'll make it a make it a fun time as it typically is. Awesome, love it. All right, well that'll do it for the season three opener of the Frosty and Perini podcast. We are presented by Steel Valley Media. Catch us next time, Vince. Take it away. <laughs>